well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I am so glad you've joined us on the program today. We're going to be spending a few minutes with the Second Amendment Foundation's Alan Gottlieb talking about a new poll commissioned by the Second Amendment Foundation. Take a look at Americans' attitudes towards their right to keep and bear arms, particularly since uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Has this had an impact on how we feel about the importance uh, of our Second Amendment rights? Again, we're going to talk about that with uh, Alan Gottlieb. In fact, let's get to that conversation. No need to dawdle. We, uh, we're going to discuss that particular question and a couple of other questions that also received some really interesting results from uh, the sample of about a thousand or so voters across the country. Take a look and a listen. Alan, it's so great to talk with you once again. Thanks for joining me on Cam and Company. Hey, Cam, it's always great to be with you and your listeners and viewers. Thank you. You bet. And uh, my colleague John Petrolino has already written up a piece about this poll, but I want to get into some of the numbers uh, just a little bit because this is fascinating. So the Second Amendment Foundation, you guys commissioned this survey of voters wanting to know what what their views were when it comes to our right to keep and bear arms, specifically after Russia invaded Ukraine. And I got to ask, Alan, before we get to these figures, what the polls actually show, did you have a hypothesis about what this survey would find? Well, I sort of expected that since Russia's in the news and the invasion and, and Ukrainians, you know, getting firearms to protect themselves and, the, and their family and property from the attack of the Russians, that uh, Americans would, would look at that and say, hey, you know, this is the Second Amendment is, is important. But our question that the McLaughlin uh, poll did on their, you know, a first-rate polling company, nationally respected, uh, basically said, do you think the Second Amendment is more important today because of all of this? And, and it wasn't even close. I mean, that's the amazing thing. Two-thirds of the respondents agreed with that statement, that it's yeah. more important than ever for Americans to defend their Second Amendment constitutional freedoms, uh, given what is going on in Ukraine. I mean, Alan, it's hard to get two-thirds of Americans to agree on anything. And supposedly a, a divisive issue like our right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, that's tr definitely true, Cam. And, you know, 66, a little over 66 percent uh, said the Second Amendment was not just important, but it was more important today because of what they've seen in Russia, do, what they're doing to Ukraine. And only 25 percent of the people didn't think it was more important. So obviously, well over 66 percent of people think the Second Amendment is important to begin with. Mm -hmm. think it's more important. Absolutely. And and this, I think, was also uh, confirmed by some of the other questions, because you did while you asked this question about uh, how people's attitudes towards the Second Amendment may have changed after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. You also asked very specific questions about, let's say, the generic congressional ballot. Right. Uh, that, that's always a big topic. It, it, things are looking like this is going to be a good year for Republicans. That's what this survey found as well. I was uh, pretty impressed here. Uh, Republicans, uh, the, the pick of 48 percent of the respondents, uh, Democrats, the pick of 44 percent, 43.9, still at 8 percent undecided. But when you look at that with Republicans with a four point lead in this survey in the generic ballot, I mean, typically, Alan, uh, you know, even in even in some years where Republicans do really well, these pre-election polls will show Democrats with a, a slight lead. Uh, in these generic ballots. So what does this signal to you about the Democrats' anti-gun agenda and how it's playing a role in, in the midterms this year? 
Well, the poll showed two things, Cam. One, of course, that on the generic ballot, Republicans are running well ahead of the Democrats, which again, you're right, is unusual in, in the polling data. And more importantly, that uh, Biden's uh, push for banning nine millimeter pistols and semi-automatic rifles actually had more people uh, pushed to support Republican candidates over Democratic candidates uh, for Congress in the midterm elections. So it shows the gun issue is having an impact on those numbers and why Republicans are running better than Democrats in the midterm elections. And I think, you know, usually uh, in, in tight, close election years, uh, you know, gun owner turnout, uh, you know, usually uh, gives certain uh, battleground district candidates like who are pro-gun about a two percent advantage, and that's exactly what the poll is showing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and by the way, I want folks to know too. One of the other questions was for whom did you vote in the presidential election to get a, an idea of you know the makeup of this this uh, survey. Uh, Joe Biden was the answer of fifty one point three percent. Uh, of the respondents, uh, Donald Trump was the response for uh, about 47 percent of the respondents. So, again, very, very close to what the official totals were uh, in the 2020 election. And so, again, when you look at, you know, Joe Biden's approval rating is cratered. Democrats are uh, uh, underwater in terms of the generic ballot. And, Alan, I thought this question was really interesting. Are you more likely or less likely to vote for a candidate for U.S. Congress who supports Joe Biden's position to ban the sale of nine millimeter handguns and semi-automatic rifles? said that they were more likely to vote for a candidate who backs Biden's gun ban. Uh, 43% said they were less likely. There were 10% who said it wouldn't make a difference. About 5% said, I don't know. So the fact that Biden can't even get 50% approval in a survey when more than 50% of voters actually voted for him, that to me, I think, is is an incredibly strong sign that the Democrats' anti-gun agenda is just so out of step with where most Americans are right now. Well, I think it showed two things. One, just what you said. And the second thing it showed is the poll wasn't 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 skewed or, or unbalanced because the people that reached more of them supported Biden than than Trump <clears throat> and more of them are Demo- you know, uh, de- Democrats are uh, you know, go- going to our side on the gun stuff than usual uh, based on Biden's statements, making them out of touch. But the big important thing to me was is that those types of questions and responses uh, on the you know, the, on the. Uh, you know, uptick of, of who who surveyed showed definitely that this poll is very representative of America right now and very valid. You know, given that, uh, and this is, you know, I, I think this is one of several polls we've seen in recent months showing declining support for gun control across the country. Given that, we we know that the Biden administration is getting ready to unveil these new uh, uh, rules against, you know, unserialized firearms, home-built guns, quote-unquote ghost guns, according to the uh, gun control advocates. You know, obviously, uh, you and I think this is a, a a big mistake here. But what do you think the reaction of the American people is going to be when they actually hear the devils in the details of this uh, these new regulations that are coming down? Well, I think here's my problem. I think if the American public heard those the devils in those details, they'd be totally on our side. The problem is we have a liberal legacy anti gun media that isn't going to tell the people the devil in the details. And that's the problem we face. And that's why the gun rights movement and organizations like the Second Amendment Foundation who educate the general public need to be out there out front with you know lots of uh, informational stuff to the American public, letting them know what these bills really do. 
Absolutely. And I, unfortunately, I think we're going to get the, uh, the, the chance we're going to have the, the, the need to do that uh, because from what we're hearing, you know, the white house, uh, the rumbles are, are that these rules could be coming out uh, as early as sometime next month. Uh, originally it was supposed to be June, but now uh, all indications are it's going to be sometime in April. Yeah, this is really interesting. You know, the second man foundation has a suit against the uh, arm brace regulations that they tried to put through it at, at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. And they pulled them back and they reanalyzed them and reissued them. And, uh, the, and then the Justice Department asked uh, if the judge would, would postpone any more discovery or anything on the suits until they come up with their final ruling, which we agreed because we're going to want to amend our complaint against the new rulings you know, as well. Uh, and they keep stalling it and keep asking for more and more time to the courts. So I don't think they think they have a, a plan yet that's constitutional to begin with. And they're trying to figure out how to try to finesse it to put the best uh, face on, on their unconstitutional edicts they're trying to put through. So is SAF, um, are you all looking at uh, the potential for a lawsuit against these new rules for uh, frames and receivers as well as the uh, the stabilizing brace rules? Uh, yeah, we are. I don't know whether you're going to come out, but we have the suit already filed on the arm brace and, and it's you know just being... Uh, uh, stayed until they come up with the final rule now since they pulled pulled back. But yeah, we're watching this administration like a hawk because uh, we can't trust them with our rights. They'll swoop down and steal them anytime they can. That's right. Well, and listen, it should be said that the Second Amendment Foundation is not just watching the uh, gun prohibitions at the federal level, but at the state level as well. I, I have to ask you about Governor Jay Inslee in Washington State signing this magazine ban into effect. Uh, I, I know we've spoken before about the uh, SAF's involvement in litigation. Uh, now that, you know, Inslee's put pen to paper, um, what, can you give us any updates on uh, on when we might be able to see a lawsuit filed against this new mag ban? Well, to be honest with you, the first draft of the suit has already been written uh, and the attorneys just are, are still working on it. Uh, one of the things we're looking at, it doesn't go into effect until July. And uh, one of the, our concerns is, is that we want to represent people that currently own magazines that are banned. Uh, but even though they grandfather and they keep them, they can't dispose of them or, or, or sell them or do anything with them after, after the July, July date. But right now, they still can. Uh, and likewise, the person who doesn't own one that wants to buy one can still buy one until July 1. So uh, our concern is, is that to get plaintiffs who are going to have standing, we really need to wait till July 1 uh, to be able to file the case. And so probably we're, you know, still sitting in a holding pattern to file it uh, because of the way the law has been written uh, to be able to get plaintiffs that really have standing to sue. And in the meantime, as you say, this law goes into effect uh, July 1. So uh, 10 plus round magazines are going to be available for sale in Washington state. Uh, you can buy them up until uh, July the 1st. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Brownells uh, is actually uh, getting involved in this. They've got their their Washington state mag dump, right? Where if you buy your magazine from uh, from Brownells, a portion of those proceeds will actually go towards litigating this new law. Yeah, I really want to thank Brownells because the money is being donated to the Second Amendment Foundation to help us fund this fund this suit. And you can buy these magazines anywhere. You know, and you don't have to just live in Washington State to buy them to help out with the lawsuit. It's national in scope. But what I find very interesting is my guess is going to be between the time that the law is passed and it goes into effect in July, oh, a 10, 12-year supply of, mag of additional magazines will be dumped in Washington State alone, making this whole law ridiculously stupid to begin with and totally ineffective. And it's really kind of funny. So what did this thing do? It accelerated the sale of, of, of over 10-round magazines all across the state of Washington. I think it's just hysterical. Every time the other side goes to do something, it always backfires. 
Yeah, well, I, you're right. And you think at some point they might learn. But uh, no, I think they are truly committed to trying to destroy our right to keep and bear arms. And if it leads to, you know, an increase in sales, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll worry about that on the back end, I guess. But uh, thankfully, you know, again, we've got groups like the Second Amendment Foundation out there uh, fighting the good fight. Uh, I know we'll be talking more about that particular lawsuit uh, and, and uh, updates on the dozens of other lawsuits that the SAF is involved with. Uh, in the very near future. But Alan Gottlieb, as always, sir, it's great talking with you. It's good to see you. And I appreciate you coming on the show today. Always my pleasure, Cam. And thanks for everything you do. Uh, you, you're getting the word and the information out to millions of Americans virtually every day. It's really important to defending our gun rights. Thank you. Appreciate Alan joining us. As always, looking forward to having him back again here in the very near future. And now let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there, as we always do. Here's the headline. Man on parole for bank robbery, man already on parole for bank robbery, is charged with robbing three Citizens Bank locations. Yeah, this is in uh, New York. Buffalo News reporting that a man already on parole for bank robbery arrested on Tuesday this week by Chictawaga police detectives. I, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Charged with robbing three citizens bank branches within the past week. According to the police, 52-year-old Thomas Blakowski has been charged with an attempt to rob a citizens bank inside a uh, convenience store. Where a teller refused to hand over cash to him on March 18th. He was also charged with robbing the Citizens Bank uh, in the uh, Target Plaza nine minutes later. And then robbing a, a third Citizen Bank uh two days three days later on uh, march 21st investigators say that uh, blakowski already on parole for a 2019 bank robbery yeah and they also say that uh, based on descriptions blakowski also the uh, likely suspect in a march 17th bank robbery in uh, nearby depew new york so 2019 mr blakowski gets paroled well, hang on now. Let me let me let me let me let me back up a second. 2019, Blakowski robs a bank. Okay. Sometime between now and then, which isn't much time, by the way, it's only 2022, and it's still the early part of 2022. So no more than three years, and quite possibly, in fact, quite probably. Less than three years after robbing a bank, Thomas Blakowski is out of prison, out of custody, and is on parole. Now, I don't know about you. I always kind of thought that robbing a bank was a pretty big deal. But I guess in New York, look, in New York, honestly, simply possessing a firearm without a license can put you in prison for five years. So the fact that Thomas Blakowski robbed a bank and was out, and let's assume slightly less than three years, seems like a big issue to me, right? I mean, first of all, there is the issue of exercising your right to bear arms without a government permission slip shouldn't be a crime in the first place, much less a violent felony offense in the state of New York. But this does show where the Democrats' priorities lie, right? You exercise your constitutionally protected right to keep bear arms in a way that the state of New York doesn't agree with. Oh, they'll send you to prison for years. Rob a bank, on the other hand, eh, you're probably just, you know, misunderstood. Didn't get enough hugs when you were younger.
Today's Armed Citizen story from Washington State, where an alleged robber shot in the mouth by the uh, would-be victim's father, 27-year-old Mason Archer Barrett, expected to be charged with first-degree attempted robbery after he's released from Harborview Medical Center in Seattle. Uh, March 13th, uh, apparently he was uh, he was uh, released from uh, the hospital, so I guess he has now been charged. Uh, this attempted robbery occurred uh, back on March the 5th, just now being reported, though, uh, at a uh, motorhome in uh, Port Angeles, Washington. Archer Barrett allegedly pointed a gun at the resident of that motorhome, saying that he had uh, no intention of hurting anybody, but he wanted cash as he was trying to collect a debt from the man. The man refused to hand over any money, according to a police report, believing his life was in danger. The man's father then shot Archer Barrett in the mouth. Archer Barrett allegedly ran from the scene to a waiting car. He was dropped off at a uh, nearby emergency room, according to a probable cause statement, uh, which uh, quoted emergency room doctors as saying he'd been taken to a hospital by a woman who found him on the side of the road. Yeah. Uh, The uh, victim in this case told police investigators uh, that um, he and this woman who allegedly dropped Archer Barrett off of the hospital, a woman named Michelle Osborne, had actually lived together, I know, it's confusing, at a a local hospital, or excuse me, at a local hotel, uh, and the uh, victim had helped her as she worked to get custody of her child from uh, Child Protective Services. Uh, The victim said the relationship ended, the victim moved to try to get away from the woman, telling police that he was afraid of Michelle Osborne, that she had allegedly destroyed many of his items, including dentures worth $2,000. So, uh, apparently was not Perhaps just a random happenstance that uh, Archer Barrett was picked up by uh, this woman, Michelle Osborne. She's also been arrested. She's now charged with attempted first-degree robbery after uh, uh, she was caught trying to flee the uh, hotel where her vehicle was found. They also found a a small amount of methamphetamine on her once she was arrested. Uh, So, again, both of the uh, would-be robbers, including maybe the getaway driver, charged now. The armed citizen who acted to defend his son... As far as I can tell, not facing any charges. Apparently, uh, even in anti-gun Washington state, you can still exercise your right of self-defense and the defense of another. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A police officer in Taylorsville, Utah, who uh, saved a woman and her dog from a burning home on Monday. The officer spotted a home on fire while a resident still trapped on the upper level of the home. Officer noticed that the smoke was filling the home, endangering the uh, woman. Fire crews were notified, but they had not yet arrived on the scene. And so the sergeant with the Taylorsville Police Department made his way into the home, used a fire extinguisher to uh, try to at least put out some of the flames, found the resident who was trapped inside, led her out to safety, also managed to get her dog out of the home. Uh, while he's doing that, Unified Fire arrived at the scene, took over, able to uh, extinguish the uh, blaze. Uh, no word on the extent of the damage to the home, but again, at least the uh, living things inside, including a lady and her dog, are safe and sound, thanks to the uh, quick thinking and the fast actions of that sergeant with the Taylorsville Police Department, uh, who has not been identified, as far as I can tell, by the department itself. Hopefully, uh, he or she will get some recognition in the uh, very near future, but we are certainly grateful for their very good deed.
Now, that's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. And yeah, this is Thursday, so this will be the last one of the week. We'll see you back here Monday. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com, however, all day Friday throughout the weekend for even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber. Just use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. It's our way of saying thank you for showing your support for the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism we're doing at Bearing Arms. And your support really does make a difference. So we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, analysis you won't find anywhere else as part of your VIP membership because your support really does matter. And we thank you very much for it. Uh, If you just can't get enough of Cam and Company, well, you got to wait till Monday. But I will be sitting in for Larry O'Connor on WMAL in Washington, D.C. Friday morning, 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. So you can uh, tune in and check it out. Until we talk again, be well, be safe and be free.